I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Shall we begin? 61. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we try to investigate the things we know nothing about. I'm your host woman, scientific experiment which the tabloids call Against Nature, Hannah Varrell. With me is Love Baby, who floated down the river in a basket, Alexandra Haddo. I actually suffer from seasickness, Hannah, and the state I was in is a wonder anyone fished me out. And conjured from the armpit of a wise owl, Caroline O'Donoghue. I'm sticky, smelly, and I represent third-level education. Hoot hoot. This week we're learning about Beanie Babies, Tina Turner, how to sneak with Dr Jane Frail, and how to keep up with the news in our smart lesson. Caroline, you were full of promises in the 90s, but it's just not come to anything, has it? No, people really thought that my resale value would be through the roof, but actually I'm worth next to nothing. Hmm. What am I? Are you the lesser known members of Take That? I am not. I am Beanie Babies. But just, you know, they're equally a sort of limp and sort of adorable. Yeah, and full of polystyrene or something. Yeah. They call them pellets in the business, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Um, Okay, so... Two things that can identify a beanie baby. What are they? The tag. The tag. Oh yes, the I was going to say the little yeah. like sort of balls inside them. It's the the balls and the uh, the balls and the tag. Yeah, <laughs> the tag and the balls. Same as how you um, identify bulls is how you identify oh, beanie babies. God. Yeah, the tag and the balls. Um, yeah. So the thing that most people remember and the sort of certificate of authenticity of the beanie baby was the T Y. That was on the um, yes. on the little thing on their ear, and you could little even buy little heart shaped ty heart shaped ty for our international. Weird... I, well, no, Beanie, ba- Beanie Babies were international, weren't they? They were. They started in America, oh. um, but they yeah they did ship internationally. They were a huge thing all over the world, um, and that ty I never knew what that stood for. No, a toy company. Did you find? Have you found out? Is it not just the thank TY? you in text? <laughs> right. I I almost thought that was something like thank you. Yeah. Right. Um. So. It's named after its founder, whose name is Ty Warner. It's not T-Y, it's Ty. <gasps> what? That's his name, Ty that Warner. That is the most egotistical thing I've ever heard. I yeah. mean, they were his invention. And honestly, I think people talk about like Steve Jobs or whatever being this amazing genius, but I don't think there has been a genius to parallel Ty Warner in our lifetime. <laughs> it's incredible. I need to just get straight into the story because I am. Ooh. it's amazing. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so Ty Warner, born in Chicago, uh, 1944. He has a kind of a troubled upbringing. His mom suffers from a lot of quite serious mental health issues. Not a very happy childhood. He decides to move to Los Angeles when he's in his 20s and uh, tries to become an actor. That fails terribly. Like so many people's Hollywood dreams, just Mm. completely nothing happens. And then by the time he's in his 30s, he's working in his dad's toy company as basically a travelling salesman. Right. Like, for so many people, like, you're you're back home, you're single, you're in your 30s, you're working at your dad's company. That's kind of the end of the story, right? Yeah. But, okay, so this toy company, he ends up being, maybe he wasn't a good actor, but he was a really, really good travelling salesman. And because he had that sort of, like, acting thing going on, yeah. he had a lot of, like, flair. And he realised that, like, the world of toys is a kind of eccentric one. And that if he were to, like get out at a toy dealership out of a a rented Rolls Royce with a cane and a fur coat on that people would be like what mad toy is he selling because kids are going to love it whatever it is do you know what I mean he had this like weird like flair for presentation he had a very strange character about him that people were kind of intrigued by and for some reason he was really good at predicting what the market was going to want like he would recommend a toy and it would do well so the company he worked for his dad's company they just sold all sorts of toys yeah they were called Dakin, D-A-K-I-N. Like your, your average run-of-the-mill toys. Yeah. And um yeah, and so he get you know, he gets so good at sort of predicting what does well with children and what, what toys are popular that he decides that he's gonna start making his own toys. And uh in 1986 he comes up with essentially the idea for beanie babies, which is that up until that point, um stuffed animals are quite like rigid, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of filled with that with Fluff, yeah, cottony bits, filling, bit starchy, yeah, yeah, and um, they're quite rigid. But um, he decided to fill them with these beans, and because he didn't fill them all the way up, and they had that kind of limp sort of. Yes, you move the beans around the baby. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It's fantastic. I mean, it doesn't really give you anything. Like, there's no, (laughs) you're not getting anything out of the saggy beans. Yeah, it's kind of satisfying, isn't it? Yeah, and I think especially from a from a child point of view they become much more easy to play with mm. because they're more durable and, I don't know, they're just satisfying. You can yeah. sit them up on their hind legs. Yes, you can. I spy a Beanie Baby fan. Did you have a laugh? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> I, did you, I, honestly, I didn't even ask because I didn't think that you guys would be Beanie Baby fans. But. Oh, hugely. I mean, really? I wasn't. I didn't have tons and tons because my parents are not the kind of parents who would indulge that. No, no um, mine. But I had, I probably had like 30 or something. That's a, That's a lot. Oh, no, but I had friends who had like hundreds. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I probably had like 25, 30. Mm. I can't remember yeah. if I had any, which probably means I wasn't that big yeah. of a fanatic. I remember my friends having a lot and I remember the fad of it and I remember the craze mm. hugely. But I don't know if I ever had any myself. Yeah. How about well, you? Um, I Kind of the same between you two that my, my best friend had an amazing collection because her father travelled for work a lot and he would always buy the bear oh, the of that country. Ones. The international bear. And then oh. we found out that those international bears were worth a lot. So then we became like, oh my God, we're sitting on a gold mine but we don't know how to use the internet so yeah. we'll always be sitting on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we played with them a lot. I really liked them but I only had a couple of my own. Um and uh, she would always be a little bitch about it as well where she'd like loan you out a Beanie Baby but then once you had a fight with her she'd like ask for them all back and you'd be like oh, oh. god I do remember that's ringing a bell yeah yeah I mean that's toy politics you know you yeah. can't get away from them classic toy politics classic <laughs> toy politics very different as an adult <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway um, 
Ty Warner, he eventually gets fired from the original toy company for pursuing his own stuff on the side. And um, then he he launches, he basically mortgages his house, he gets all these loans. Wait, when did he get a house? Oh, because he did so well at his yeah. dad's job. Yeah, yeah. Also, I love how he got fired by his own dad for doing well. <laughs> well, no, it, no, his dad just worked there. It wasn't his dad's company. Oh, oh I see. Right, sorry. sorry, I misrepresented him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his dad was just the guy who worked there and then he was just the guy who worked there. Right, got, I got it. it. You know. And yeah, so he started going around trying to sell these Beanie Babies and people like didn't get them. They said they used to look like roadkill, which I can oh. kind of understand <laughs> yeah. where they're coming from. But then he starts selling in to sort of small toy shops and it, you know people like them and they're doing well. And he does this incredibly clever thing where he refuses to sell to the big brands like Toys R Us and he only sells to the independent shops. Mm. And he also, he won't give the whole collection to any one shop. So he'll give like, you know, a donkey, a flamingo and a dog over here. And then he'll give like a bear, a tarantula and a bird over there. Oh, right. And so you have to kind of go, if you if you wanted to get that collectible thing, you'd have to go to both shops. And he's creating a demand. He's he Basically, he created an artificial demand. And he kept uh, experimenting with this where he would like suddenly discontinue a toy and be like, no more of that anymore. And then, pe- and then like, because eBay was booming at the same time, this is the 90s. Um, people would be like, oh, well, I got to finish the collection because people were kind of getting into that collection mode. Yeah. And as well, up until that point, the big, the big, big toy retailers or the big toy factories, they would release stuff like twice a year. They'd release their stuff in the, at Christmas time and they'd release their stuff in summertime. But he was making these $5 toys that he was releasing sporadically with no plan. Yeah. And he kept all of his own employees in the dark about when things were coming out and he would just like sound the alarm when they were. And so that you could get like five in one month and two in the next and then nothing for six months. Yeah. And it just created this weird bubble. People just got really, really, really into it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and and like you could have certain certain bears not available in certain countries. And it just um, just the resale of the whole thing got really, really huge. It became a craze. Like a genuine craze, like pe- like a family who owned a hundred thousand dollars worth of Beanie Babies. Whoa. Like there's a very famous image of this couple who got divorced and they had a shared collection of hundreds of Beanie Babies. And they there's a very famous image where they they've like laid out all their Beanie Babies on the courtroom floor and they have to like do like deliberate with the judge who who owns what. And you know there was even like there was such a huge like demand and like it was basically being treated like cocaine in some circles like you know you had to sort of know the right people to get the right baby mm. <laughs> hell. Um, so there were actually like deaths shootings kids being trampled on um, so in a market in Connecticut kids got trampled on their hands like over like a tie-dye Garcia bear which I actually remember he was like a hippie bear oh yeah that yeah. Isabel mm-hmm. uh, a 77 year old Chicago man dubbed the Beanie Baby Bandit Stole uh, twelve hundred pounds worth of toys and hoarded them in a storage locker. Uh, How much was was like one your average one? I've forgotten. The average was I think between five and ten dollars. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't actually that. They were super affordable because there were so many of them. They were super collectible. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and a West Virginian man shot and killed a sixty-three-year-old security guard over a dispute involving several hundred dollars worth of Beanie Babies. Oh, no. Fucking hell. I quote, he didn't want the cash register. All he wanted was the Beanie Babies. <gasps> That's insane. That's a horrible way to go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Defending Beanie Babies? Yeah. It's insane. Um, and, and the thing is that, like, one of the reasons that it got... First, it started off as being this sort of, like, thing that children and, and then their parents, I suppose, got into. And I suppose, you know, comic book nerds and people who were, like, into collecting things. Yeah. But then because everybody got so into the idea of, like, oh, well, you know, this 
$5 bear sold for 12 grand on eBay yesterday. And they some for some reason, they attached the worth to the bear as not being this weird fad. They were like, no, they're worth something like gold or coffee. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They were like, the bear is a resource. There was like tips on in, like re- like buying bears for investment, like the way you'd buy art for investment. That's mad. I remember as well, this is another part of the scam, thinking it was important to have, you know, you could get the plastic covers for the Yes, labels. and they were really expensive. Yeah, it was like £2 for a like, plastic cover or something like that. And I remember buying some because I was like well I don't want the label to get ruined when I play with the Beanie Baby yeah, I want to yeah, be able yeah. to sell this in 20 years right because like this is, there was like weird presumption that they the bubble would keep on inflating and mm. that it, they would no one would lose interest ever do you know and what I mean which was we silly we all had these we all yeah. had the Beanie Babies like there was who was really... going to be buying them we all had them totally and there was like this kind of fake scarcity thing do you know what I mean that like yeah even though every eight-year-old had them, it's like the idea of like, oh, well, you don't have the right one and you could be sitting on the right one and not know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There was that feeling. Yeah. I remember that. So the crux of the mania happened in 1997 when Princess Diana died. Very mm. sad, very defining moment for a lot of millennials, I think. Um, and Ty Warner decided that he would commemorate the sad event with a bear. <gasps> a That's purple so bear weird. with a white carnation. It's so fucking odd. And that was his... Nail in the coffin, was it? Nope, people loved it. People love that bear. Oh. Yeah, oh, people no. went for the bear. And uh, and also this was the bear because it was said as being so limited edition, even though it truly wasn't. Like there was, it was everywhere, do you know what I mean? Right. And uh, they were like, oh, this is going to be the one with the resale value. And I think people thought that like was attached to this mm. event. Yeah. So people bought it in its hundreds and like to this day... There is a toy shop in the States called Rogue Toys. And the manager, who's um, called Ethan Volungus, um, he has on his answering machine, if you're calling about trying to resell your Princess Diana bear, please don't bother me. I don't want it. And he's like giving interviews being like, no one's buying these. People are only selling them, you know? Oh. And people like, still, they will put up their Diana bear for like $45,000 on eBay just to see if anyone bites and nobody does. It's a seller's You might market. also like Princess Diana bear for 50p. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then one night in 1999, Ty Warner, he announced that several of um, his Beanie Babies, the designs were going to be retired and discontinued and you wouldn't be able to get them again. And every single time he'd done this before, that had prompted a huge rush and a huge spike in Beanie Baby stock. And for the first time, nothing happened. There was no market swell, no value increase, nothing. And literally just the bubble had burst. People had like been like they'd moved on. And weirdly, that was actually the height of Pokemon. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think there's a connection? Um, I think the connection there is that like children had lost interest. And so that sort of main that crazed backbone of the trend mm. yeah. had vanished because you can't rely on children's interest, can you? And so if people aren't buying them up, then there's not that, there isn't that scarcity thing. And mm. if that's not happening, then like, who cares? So everyone had just basically moved on and um, nobody really made any good money out of it after that, except for Ty Warner, who is currently... The 887th richest person in the world. Whoa. What Which, you know, fuck? he's worth 2.7 billion. Um, he's got, at the Four Seasons New York, he's got the Ty Warner penthouse. 
Oh. Like, he is an incredibly rich man. Fucking hell. And are, do and they just... still produce Beanie Babies? Or is I the company th- kind of stopped I doing think that? Ty Warner does different things now. Um, they actually do another kind of... Um, another kind of stuffed animal that is like... It's got huge eyes. It's like these foresty creatures with huge, like, turquoisey eyes. You've oh. seen them before. I can't... I think they're called like, bush babies or something like that. I've got a friend who collects them. But yeah, they're a similar thing. But I don't think he ever quite got to the same level. Mm. Bloody hell. Yeah. But he's just like... I mean, how old is he now? He's, he's 70. 73. Yeah. Just, you know, wow. one of the richest men going. Yeah. And just like a failed actor with a difficult childhood who worked for his dad's company because nothing was going right for him in Hollywood... And like then in his basically in his 40s, he becomes a billionaire mm. and he's been a billionaire ever since. Wow. It's kind of an amazing story, right? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. How yeah. did I, how should I never ask myself? Yeah. Like, who, who, who made this? I've always thought whenever I think of Beanie Babies, it's like, you know, Faustian packs where somebody sells their soul to the devil for one wish. Yes. It always feels like the Beanie Babies were the victim of a Faustian pact, right? Yeah. And somebody made a deal with the devil yeah. to make a very, very popular toy. Mm. What I always liked about them as well is they had a little poem inside the tag. Do you remember any of them? I remember some of them. Do you? Yeah. Me oh my God. Um, I had Claude the Crab and this one was Claude the Crab lives by the sea, a famous painter he hopes to be. <laughs> but the tide came in and his paint fell. Now his art is on his shell because he was a tie-dye crab. <gasps> I remember him. He was mm-hmm. cutie. He was nice. Yeah. I can't remember any of them. One of my favourite ones was the Chicago Bulls one. The red bull with the white horns. Mm, Oh, yeah. He was just really cute. I just really liked him or her. And there was also a nice Cocker Spaniel, which I liked a lot. I I had the Cocker Spaniel. Yeah, Yeah. the lovely furry ears. It was a different texture. Mm, It was a different texture. None of this this is ringing a bell, so I feel like I didn't have them. And it sounds like the exact sort of craze that my dad would convince me I didn't want to get involved in because (laughs) I didn't want to spend it. Yeah, Yeah, it's for the crowd. uh, You're not a follower of the crowd. Yeah. I actually read a really good article about this being like people like Beanie Babies have become sort of a punchline now and they're sort of become they're a weird symbol of the 90s of being this very garish tacky kind of new money era mm. that has no real soul or depth but like it's what's quite sort of nice and interesting and weirdly substantial about them is that like people for the first time felt like they could buy into something like art investment do you know what I mean yeah but it was only five or ten dollars and if you were just really tenacious you could do it and if you got the right one yeah yeah it's like uh, bitcoin I, it's been compared to bitcoin it's true you've not the first person to make that comparison oh, really? yeah and it's got a bit of that like Willy Wonka's golden ticket vibe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, oh, I do remember that feeling bit of a lottery kind yeah. of thing yeah 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 like you could be sitting on a gold mine exactly because yeah. um, because Ty Warner would discontinue them at any time so you'd have no idea if the little Cocker Spaniel you bought is actually only one of yeah. 500 yeah. and they're not going to make anymore mm. so they could become valuable even though they weren't when you bought them what a genius right? let's start it up again guys yes. it is the closest <laughs> thing to a Charlie, Chuck- Charlie and the Jack Factory yeah. phenomenon to ever happen in my lifetime yeah I think wow Uh, guys, I've just got to pop out for a bit, actually. Oh, why? Because uh, I looked at the show schedule and it says that Dr. Jane Frail is coming in. And according to her new book, How to Do You When Doing You Is What You Do to Get Through Being You, I should minimise situations where a stranger is likely to damage my self-esteem. Oh, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I guess we'll see you later then. It also talks about how I shouldn't be friends with people who don't stick up for me or act in my best interest. OK, babe, I'll give you a text later, OK? Safe, safe home. Get me a Donald's. Hi, Dad. 
Dr. J. Hello, dears. Aren't you two looking very glamorous today? And the studio is looking green and so lush as well. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jane. Um, you're not usually this nice to us. Oh, sorry, dear. I, uh, I took some dodgy MDMA at Lorraine Kelly's Halloween party and now I'm overcompensating in an attempt to ward off the cloud of crushing dread that is certainly coming for me. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. Yes, uh, if I squint my eyes, I can actually see it barreling over the horizon looking to claim me. Wow, well, um, I'm really glad you could come here today because um, you're here talking about sleep and that's something I actually have a lot of trouble with. Oh, darling, so many people do. Honestly, what I wouldn't give for this fucking Mandy to wear off so I could finally get a minute's rest. Jane, are you sure you don't want to have a, a little sleep or a wash or maybe some hula hoops before we start? You seem a bit... Oh, I, I won't peaky. be able to eat a thing till Friday, dear, at this rate. Um, but listen, if you're not on Mandy, and good for you if you're not, that's a lovely choice. Although it certainly doesn't feel like one when Lorraine is dressed as the ghostly mask boy from Scream and forcing you to take dabs out of a crisp packet of Space Invaders in her upstairs loo. I mean, what happened to keeping your smack in a clear plastic bag with Bob Marley's face on it? I ask you. A little class, you know. It goes a long way. Mm, certainly does, Jane. Oh, sorry, girls. Be back with you in the room in three, two, one. Okay, uh, sleeping, yes. Some good tips for getting to sleep at night is meditation and yoga before bed. No screens after 8pm, as the backlight stimulates your retinas. That one can be a bit of a hard one for people in this day and age. Yeah, you've had a bit of a hard one, haven't you? Yes, yeah. uh, Fortunately, have. It was Jonathan Ross, the dirty bugger. Um, and of course, the old chestnut of a bit of lavender spritz on your pillow and a steaming mug of chamomile tea. But after all that, when you lie down and you still can't get to sleep at night, uh, just try and remember that you're only human, okay? Everyone makes mistakes, and that guilt is a useless emotion that you must purge from yourself if we're ever going to evolve as a species. Okay, so so guilt. Listen, why should the things I've done keep me up at night, okay? Why should I, an attractive and very, very thin woman, be burdened by a timeless guilt about the things I had to do, the people I had to betray, and the prison snitches I had to carefully dismember with a bit of an old Coke can that was lovingly and painstakingly carved into a rudimentary knife? I think they call that a shiv. After all... Is the world not founded in endless pain? Do orangutans not get thrown into pits of acid so their homes can be used for palm oil every day? In the grand scheme of things, is it really my responsibility as a very, I must say, very thin and shockingly beloved TV doctor to stay awake at night thinking of my sins? Dr Jane, I hate to interrupt you, but I think you're on an unbelievably hard come down by the looks of it. And, you know, it's fine if you want to have a lie down somewhere else. Yeah, that existential dread that you mentioned earlier has definitely found you oh you're probably right dears well uh, i'll see you uh, i'll see you next time eh is that is it unless unless anyone's got any valium not today jane right well death is coming for us all then good luck with your sleep ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So, Alex, you're simply the worst at coming up with subjects for this podcast, so you just go with whatever's on your iPod, is that right? That's right, and this week it was Simply the Best by... We have to stop. It's good. Anyone in <laughs> I can't stop! It's just hard. Um, yes, my section this week... <laughs> Go on. Is on Beyonce. No. <laughs> is on Tina... Turner, mm. uh, which is not her real name. Oh. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, what do you know about Tina Turner? Um, I've seen Angela Bassett in What's Love Got to Do With It. Oh, you've seen it? I've seen it. Uh, it was on this TV a lot when I was a kid. You yeah. know much more than me. Well, not now. Well, no, I know that version of events, which is that she was a singer and then she got married to Ike and he was the <sighs> big wig and then he abused her and then she, she left and she was like, um, went into a hotel and she was like, I don't have a penny on me, but my name is Tina Turner. And yeah. I swear I'll pay you back. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. She's like, she has got an incredible story. So her real name is Anna Mae Bullock. Um, yeah. And she was, uh, she was born to like some parents that didn't really care. And like, she was um, sort of ferried between family members and nobody really brought her up and stuff like that. And then uh, she was, uh, this is in St. Louis. And she was uh, born in Nutbush, hence Nutbush City Nut Limits. Nutbush! Nutbush City Limits. <laughs> I love a segment already because you get to scream so much when you're doing it. Yeah. And um, one day she, when she was about 17, she came across uh, Ike Turner and his band, Kings of Rhythm, original, oh. um, in a local the kings, club. you say? The kings, <laughs> the, king, the sultans of swing, the kings of rhythm. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have a quite same ring to it. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, Ike yeah, Turner yeah. was the uh, was the lead singer, and uh, it was it's kind of okay. I've recently watched A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. um, and it's it sounds like a real life version of that a little bit because she kind of went into this club, and then one day, like after somebody heard her singing backstage, they were like, "Oh, let's give Anna May a go 
singing along like in the club live right and then she was um she wasn't exactly even really really good she had a people were always like oh her voice is gravelly and like scratchy and stuff which it kind of is you know mm-hmm. it's like quite screechy oh, but she's got the thing she's got the she's got the thing and then one day they were recording an album they finally got a studio album and the woman that was supposed to sing the female vocals didn't turn up. Oh, and they, so, yeah, her her film her life is very musical biopic, right? It is. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a there's a West End show coming out next year called I Tina, based on her uh, autobiography, mm-hmm. um, because it is kind of like an incredible story, really. Yeah, the, all the plot beats are really there. Do yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Who me? I couldn't possibly. Yeah, yeah it's very I will like sing that. on your album. Yeah. <laughs> so she stepped in, and then the, the record did really well, and then. Her and Ike became Ike and Tina Turner. Also, so basically, her name was Anna Mae Bullock, but he gave her the name. This, I mean, this should have told you that it was a bad egg. Mm. He gave her that name so that if she left him, she could he could just get another woman in and call her Tina Turner. Oh, what? So Great Tina Turner was guy. like a, Tina Character. Turner's just like a made up name, um, and because it named it rhymed with Sheena, which was a character that he really liked from something. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, uh, yeah, bad. What and a way was, to erase someone's identity, be like, right, you're called Tina Turner, but the yeah. character of you is Tina Turner. Yeah, yeah And yeah. if you leave me, someone else can be Tina Turner. Yeah. So, Ugh. yeah, essentially. Wow. Also, she had a baby with Ike's bandmate before she got with Ike. Oh. And their relationship originally was apparently very, like, brother and sister, and she really trusted him and they were very like non-sexual like he said he saw her as a little sister she was and apparently the first time they ever had sex was because um, so in case anybody doesn't know uh, Tina Turner eventually went on to marry Ike in case anyone doesn't know yeah I know just just in case and uh, yeah the first time she slept with him was because she went into his room to get away from another guy that was like trying to hit on her I don't think in a I don't think in a forceful way I think he was just like being a bit Mm -hmm. forward and she wasn't up for it and then she was like oh can I just stay here because they had such a brother-sisterly relationship and then he was like, oh, just do it with me once. And they kind of took up and then they got married. So was it like predatory or was she like, oh, I'm attracted to Ike now? No, I think it was uh, like maybe a bit of confusion. Like, oh, we're really close and like we get on. Mm. Oh God, we've all been there. Yeah, Yeah. we've all been there. Uh, And yeah, and then so she started getting with Ike and then they got married when she was 22. Mm -hmm. So she already had a son with his bandmate. She got married, they got married when she was 22 and he was 27. And on their wedding night, he took her to watch a live sex show in Tijuana. Oh. And she was like upset and everything. And then there's the part of the story that everybody knows, which is that uh, Ike Turner was a really, really abusive husband and it was awful and I I'm sorry to bring Jay-Z into this but Jay-Z is a twat oh when he, in that breast in Drunken Love yeah so Wait, it, yeah. What, what does this so have to do with that in, in Drunken Love with Beyonce featuring uh-huh. Jay-Z meow, I'm gonna meow, sing meow, Jay, a bit of Jay meow, yeah meow, meow, meow. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm just meowing yeah I've been drinking so in that in that quite frankly great song yes um Jay-Z raps and I'm going to sing I'm going to sing the two lines to you that he says which you will recognise uh, Jay-Z says uh, catch change I might beat up the box like Mike in 97 I bike I'm Ike Turner turn up baby no don't play now eat the cake anime now eat the cake anime oh. that's her real name anime yeah and it's because in real life in a diner one time just after Tina Turner's record had gone like to number one or mm. done really successfully two kids came up to 
Ike and Tina in a diner and asked for her autograph and not his. Right. And then he was like, oh, let's celebrate your, your record with a big cake. And then he bought a cake and she was like, oh, I don't want any. And he like force fed her it. Jeez. And then Jay-Z's just fucking rapping about it. What was Jay-Z, say- what was Jay-Z trying to say about it? Well, I sort of read the, the lyrics and I don't really know. <laughs> like, and, I don't, and when he says beat the box up like Mike. Mike Tyson. In 97 I bite. So like convicted rapist Mike Tyson biting someone's ear off in the yeah. ring. I've always been very uncomfortable with that verse. I don't really know what's yeah. going on Yeah, and then there. it's like, now eat the cake, anime. I said, eat the cake. It's like really horrible. And Beyonce is then like, I've been drinking. <laughs> I've been drinking. It's I like, don't know if we want to outwardly criticise Beyonce. We're allowed to criticise Jay-Z because he doesn't have a hive anymore. Yeah, sure. But we're not getting the hive after us. <laughs> no, we're not getting the hive after My us. My insurance but... doesn't cover hive. <laughs> <laughs> what are Jay-Z's fans called? Just like Zeds. <laughs> the Zeds. Snores. Um, yeah, so Jay-Z, bad person okay, for bringing that yeah. up. Because that was quite a famous incident that occurred, that he was like really abusive like that. And then eventually, I, this story has a nice ending, by the way. That's why I was glad that I depicted it in the end. Um, so after years of abuse and horrible things, and she also had a son with Ike, um, Tina Turner was in a hotel with him. Oh, he was a, like a massive coke addict as well, and he it was basically oh, really? spiraling out, spiraling out of control. Yeah. Meanwhile, her music was like doing better and better. And then she was in a hotel with him, and she was like, "Right, that's it. I've got to go." She left. She had to cross the freeway to get to, on like on foot mm. just to get to the next hotel. And a lorry like nearly ran her over. She went and like Caroline said, she went into the next hotel and she. I mean, I don't think it was as poetic as that. Maybe in the film it is. Mm. Yeah. But she said she just went in there and she was like, "I've got nothing. I've got thirty six cents on me." I'm Tina Turner. Like, I need to stay here tonight, basically. Yeah. And then she just left him. And that she thing never of went... like being the most famous singer in the world yeah. at that point, but like having not a yeah. dime to her name. Yeah, nothing. Wow. And she and and because she walked out on him midway through a tour, they sued her, and she was completely broke and destitute for years because she had to like forfeit the money that they lost from the oh, rest of the tour. Tina. I know. Com- wow. Considering like she was fleeing, and I don't think that would happen today. But like, I mean, Kesha. Yeah, Kesha, actually true. Yeah, like had to tried for years to get out of that abusive contract yeah. that basically forced her to work with her abuser. Yeah, and like the 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 judge was like, "Well, if we start making exceptions for everyone, then everyone will be breaking their contracts." It's like, do you have no compassion? Yeah. Like, at all. So things haven't changed that much. Yeah, true. You're right. Um, but she but got yeah. really into Buddhism, then, didn't she? She's very yeah. She's very into Buddhism. She was so into it that she at one point she used to chant for three hours a day. Ooh. Yeah. But what I found fascinating was when she after she had to pay all this money out for like the tour and everything, that was that was before um, all the hits that you know. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. So then she and she played like small clubs for like years, just getting by, kind yeah. of like as a club singer. And you know she'd been this huge star, and then she recorded a version of Al Green "Let's Stay Together," and it went stratospheric. And then her career just like took off again. She's played to the biggest audience ever which was in Rio 184,000 people she sold 200 million records she's basically like Oprah was like she's before Beyonce and everything she was the first black woman to be like the queen of rock and roll like she started off as like R&B and rhythm and blues and stuff like that but which is the same thing Um, (laughs) but you know she is a rock and roll star basically and she's fucking amazing also she's famous for her legs uh, yeah, what's yeah. The, her very muscular, very active legs? Yeah, and, she's, <laughs> and um, one of her biggest fans was Mick Jagger, and she toured with the Stones. Cause I think he, I think he fancied her. Right. So I and Tina toured, toured with the, Sto- the Rolling Stones and stuff, and she accused Mick Jagger of stealing her moves. 
which like you can, if you can see them both oh. in your head now you can yeah. kind of see that and also David Bowie was also instrumental in getting her career back on track because after she recorded Let's Stay Together he was like she needs to get a record deal and like really helped her out and I was like David Bowie is such a nice oh, guy. Oh, that's nice. And also, I think he really liked her as well. And there's a foot, there's a video of her, him after she's left Ike, um, David Bowie coming out on stage and singing a duet with her. And he like propositions her in, like in her ear halfway through singing live on stage. And she's like giggling and flirting back. And I'm like, oh, maybe they slept together that night. Oh, maybe they did. I love the idea she came out as like abusive marriage and then she just like... And then like, all these hot men fans. All these hot rock stars. But like, you know... Bowie, who's like respectful of women yeah. for the most part, we yeah. think, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so just to just to round off in in a nice way, she didn't have any serious relationships for years and years and years. And then she met like twenty years later, sixteen years later, she met a guy called Erwin Bach, who Erwin is Bach. a German um, music manager, Landon Auger, yes. and he is seventeen years her junior. Oh, she's oh. she's now seventy eight. Um, she looks great though. She still Seen looks her, cracking. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were together for, they've been together for like 25 years. Aww. And she now lives in Switzerland. She's a Swiss citizen. Um, they live on a lake Aww. in a lovely in a lovely big house. And he looks like the nicest man ever. And then in 2013, she was like, I just realised like, if anything happens to me, if I die, you won't get any of my money. And he was like, oh, I don't want any of your money. And she was like, no, I want you to have it. So they got married. She wore a black dress. Yes, excellent. Amazing. Good. And Brian Adams, who is a close personal friend, sang at the wedding. And I watched footage of the wedding today and I cried. Because <laughs> they've just got such a lovely, like, it's just a, such a nice end to the story of like she finally met this really really lovely younger guy who was like really supportive of her mm. and also like died in 2007 so fuck off um and yeah, did, yeah and what just, happened did he just die painless or painless um, alone I think he died of cancer I'm not sure I think the, the endless drugs probably sure didn't help um, but yeah and I just I, I was like this is a, a a lovely rags to riches story with a lot of crap in the middle but she seems to have just have like a very calm Swiss life with this German <laughs> music manager called, that chill Swiss called life. Irwin. Irwin. Like, who would think that Tina Turner lived on a lake in Switzerland? Imagine if you were like, oh, I'm just going skiing. Is that Tina Turner? Yeah. Like, it's one reason to like there because famously we don't like there as a No, we else. don't. No, no. So, so it's one, one mark. Yeah. One gold star. A mark for Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's now time for our Smart Lesson, a segment in which we attempt to make ourselves more intelligent, more woke, and above all, more Instagrammable feminists. Today our Smart Lesson topic is how to read the news. As smart women, it's important for us to be up to date with what's happening in not only the country we live in, but also every other country. Otherwise you're a terrible racist and you might as well join the BNP. Again. But, as you will have noticed, the news is deeply depressing these days. So, what's the best way to stay on top of things without bursting into tears? Um, any tips, guys? Um, I like to just read the Daily Mash, the Poke, and Reductress and things that aren't really news. Oh, so like satirical news that isn't Yeah, and then you can, you can work your way backwards yeah. being like, okay, they're doing some satire I find funny. Yeah. Maybe I assume something happened in the I White House. I assume the world <laughs> is on fire because Donald Trump has called all Jewish people something racist mm. or, or similar. Um, I like to um, 
every time I see someone say something like, guess the world's on fire again on Twitter, uh, but they're not really adding to the discussion. They're just adding to a sense of general hysteria. Mm. General doom, yeah. I unfollow them and I follow one dog. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely idea. Okay. Yeah. So lots of like ignoring it so far. But I think we need to find a way of like kind of safely consuming news so that you're up to date, but not too up to date. Um, so I am finding it very hard to find that balance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing I thought we could do is only read every other word or every three words in oh, a news good. report. Yeah. And then you yeah. kind of like get the gist, but not too much of the actual gore. Yeah. Mm. I thought that could so work. So it would just be like, Donald has Bad. migrant <laughs> offend. Exactly. And, you're like, Great. and then you're like, well, I know what the story is, but I don't actually literally know what the story is. Yeah. yeah. One thing I might take up is reading print again, uh, getting an actual newspaper instead of just looking on like an app or whatever. That's actually and, a really good idea. And making sure you have a boiled egg and some toast with marmalade with it. Oh, very Ooh. nice. Just make it into a breakfast newspaper. And That's then you really make plan. the experience so much more pleasant. As well. And because like, because the newspaper people, um, like they've gone to school for their job generally. <laughs> and, they, and they like have been doing it for a long time. So they're pretty good at being like... Um, Here's the big thing on the environment, but also like here's a bit about um, somebody who's rescued an old lady mm. or somebody who's um, you know made friends with a bird. Yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean oh, they're, they're quite good at, at mm. because they've been doing newspapers have been going on for about a hundred. 250 years I guess and uh, they're really good at measuring what people actually can physically take into their brain yes, the internet yeah. has not learned this yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's yeah. true and also with the newspaper if that's too hard with your breakfast and your marmalade and everything mm. you could just start from the back and stop when you get bored and for me that would just be as soon as it gets to like cricket or football or any of that yeah, so you do the crossword at the back and then some cricket and you stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, that's Lovely. enough for today. Yeah. I actually heard a really good tip on um, the Nobody Panic podcast where Stevie Martin said where every time she... she so she, she can't give up social media completely um, because for work and you have to see who's trying to contact you or whatever. Yeah. But she's um, banned herself from scrolling. So oh. she only ever sees the topmost thing on Twitter. But like, otherwise, nothing. That's interesting. And she sees her mentions, obviously. Another thing you could do is just pick one issue to care about. Do you reckon that would work? If you were like, I care about global warming. It or works for the Green Party, yeah. Or Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about Brexit now. We're all... We're all... We've all given up on that, We're I think. sodden with Brexit. Yeah. Here's another thing I'm finding about the news cycle and, and particularly the sort of the Twittery reaction to the news cycle or whatever is that I'm getting really... It's really hard for me to tell um, when news is genuinely terrible or we're just being kind of snarky, mm. you know? Because uh, people are being, like, snarky about genuinely horrible things, like Donald Trump saying something terrible about Jewish people or whatever. Yeah. We're like, oh, brother, because they're so worn down, do you know what I mean, by, like, yeah. how much... But then when, like, um, you know, something might... Like, like my, Piers Morgan says something about men holding babies. Yeah. It's like, we're giving it's everything... Like awful, but not, like... Yeah, we're giving everything the be. same level of yeah. like eye rolling. Oh, for God, what's happening now? The world's on fire. And so I was reading like people's reaction to the budget and I was like, okay, well, they've pledged two billion to mental health services. That's okay. And like, obviously, I don't want there to be a Tory government either. But like, if they're doing good things, then that's something to feel okay about. And I felt like that was a really controversial opinion to have. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should ban discussion of the news from Twitter. 
<laughs> Would that work? Oh God! Imagine if it, remember like when Twitter first came out and everyone was like, "Oh, it's just about people talking about having a sandwich and doing a poo." It's like I wish. <laughs> God, <laughs> God, I want that. I, I long for that such, time back. Such a great poo today. Now guys. it's like, did you uh-huh. tell oh, me about well it? I was in a cafe. Oh, oh, mm. right in the middle of the floor. <laughs> Fabulous. Anyway, I think um, yeah, I think that's a, a few pieces of advice. Some good and some not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe we'll maybe we'll start to follow them. And maybe just having a bit of a rant, really. Yeah. I kind of derailed that one. That's okay. <laughs> not unlike the news on Twitter, actually. <laughs> what I like to do on the weekend is just read the supplements. Oh yeah. I look at the front cover of the Sunday Times. Do I read it? No. I put it on my bed every Sunday to be like, read this. Mm. You're thirty. No, I just read I know, style and, and then magazine. Sometimes magazine fools you because you're like, look, I'm looking at all these lovely pictures from Rohingya. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking some lovely soulful pictures of that. I'm learning. It's like, but you haven't read yeah. about what the problem and is. And then it's like, Melvin Bragg and his son on how they get on. Yeah. You're like, isn't this lovely? <laughs> Lynn Barber's annoyed again. Yeah. You'll never guess why. <laughs> Well, that's the end of the episode, and thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, please feel free to get in touch with us on our email, dumbwomenpod at gmail.com, or on social media, at dumbwomenpod. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe, so we don't have to ask you to do it anymore. Thank you to Harry Harris for our jingles, Gavin Day for our artwork, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. We'll be back next week. Goodbye! Bye! Goodbye! Don't buy any beanie babies! Okay, one, two, three. What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? See ya. Sound very Bee Gees. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.